0: Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 364 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Sunday, August 21st, 2022, and I am joined, as I often am, by Scott Coleman. Hello, sir. How are you?
1: Hey, Brad. Good to be on with you. Hope you and everybody else out there is doing well. There was plenty to talk about over the last week for the Atlanta Braves, so we will jump right in.
0: Yeah, not exactly a show where we have to make up content, uh, as we sometimes do in this space, but uh, the headliner in some respects, probably should be the biggest headliner, is that the Braves went 5-2 and two this week on a very difficult schedule. Yes, it was at home, but they were able to win both series against good opponents, the New York Mets, of course, in the headline series earlier this week. And then the rematch of the World Series against the Astros, a 2-1 series victory. Obviously, they lost today as we record this on Sunday, which, of course, lessens a little bit of the excitement level in Braves country. And we'll get to that game later on in the show. But generally speaking, it was a very positive week on the field for the Braves. Um, we'll touch on some stuff that was not necessarily on the field. But, uh, you know, Scott, does that how are you feeling sort of a one to ten level optimism meter? How you want to put that about the team right now after this five and two week?
1: Yeah, 5 and 2 is really I mean pretty comfortably the Mets and the Astros have been two of the five best teams in Major League Baseball since opening day. So to go 5 and 2 this week is really strong especially when you faced both DeGrom and Scherzer in that Mets series. Uh to win 3 out of 4 was big and then, you know, for my money I think the Houston Astros are clearly the best team in the American League. Uh you played uh, a really I mean, I think it was a strong series. We saw how good Houston was. It's a bummer. They lost on Sunday. I swear, I don't have the exact number in front of me, Brad, but I think since June 1st, the Braves are like 52 and 21 or some crazy mark. I think like half of our podcasts since then have come on days when the Braves have lost just (laughs) naturally as fate would have it. So it always is a little bit of a damper on the excitement, as you mentioned, but five and two against two very good teams. Uh, You take it. And as we kind of hit the home stretch with six weeks to go, the Braves are in a really good spot.
0: For sure. And like I said, we'll come back to the results. So you could certainly argue that maybe getting a split between Saturday and Sunday was probably the appropriate result. The two close games, they of course win in memorable fashion on Saturday and then give it, give a little bit back on Sunday, but nothing, uh, nothing disastrous at all about the weekend. And like, like we said, five and two against those teams, you can't really complain about that whatsoever. Um, but by the way, we should also plug at the top of the show. Uh, Sean Coleman has been killing it on the Daily Hammer. We've had, I think he did five or six shows this week, back to back to back to back. We There was an emergency podcast on the Michael Harris extension. Uh, also Road to Atlanta recorded this week. And we'll touch on some of that stuff along the way here. But just keep in mind, you get all those shows uh, and this one for the price of $0 on our podcast feed. So please subscribe and tell a friend that is a Braves fan or whatever, whoever you want to share the podcast with, go ahead and do that. We really appreciate all of the support. But uh, now comes the least- exciting part of the podcast but something we have to talk about and that is the Marcel Ozuna DUI arrest on Thursday evening into Friday morning. Uh, Sean did touch on some of this stuff over the weekend but we have more details now. Uh, Everyone knows this I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast that this happened but he was arrested in Norcross actually work near where I grew up in Gwinnett County and the only official statement from the Braves so far is the following. The Atlanta Braves are aware of Marcelo Zuna's arrest this morning, which of course came on Friday, and are still gathering all the facts pertaining to the incident. Our organization takes matters very seriously and are obviously disappointed by the situation. As this is a legal matter, we will have no further comment until the process is complete. That's the end of the statement, and that's all we've gotten in terms of the front office or anyone above the manager position. Um, We won't go through all the details, but uh, he was uh, cited for speeding quite a lot. Uh, on Beaver Ruin Road, actually, in Norcross at about 1230 a.m. Friday morning. There is a video that has been publicly released about um, basically he says, uh, sorry, I'm Ozuna from the Braves as he is pulled over. Uh, There's in the incident report, there was uh, he was noted with having red and watery eyes and an odor of alcohol, etc. Ozuna told the officer who pulled him over that he drank a, quote, three or four beers earlier in the night. That was an incident report as well. He did submit to a field sobriety test, but was arrested when he refused to take the breathalyzer test, according to that report. So uh, that's kind of details as we have them now. Obviously, the video has made the rounds quite a bit. Everybody's probably seen that by now. Ozuna gave sort of a mini statement, took no questions, uh, which is important as well. On Friday uh, before the game, saying that he was disappointed uh, in himself and that he disappointed the team and the family. He had nothing else more to say. He said It was a legal matter. Basically, everyone on the Brave side, is pivoting to this being a legal matter. And before I bring Scott in, I'm just sort of ticking all the boxes here. Uh, Snicker basically has said they're disappointed as well. No no further comment. Anthopolis has not spoken about this at this point. We'll come back to him playing on Sunday, but he actually started and played today. Uh, and then after the game, Snicker basically was asked about it, kind of like downplayed uh the question and just kind of said that he was he was a member of the team and that was why he was playing um you know realistically they were never going to play a man down the whole season so it's kind of not on snicker but at the same time as we'll get into this they don't have to start him they didn't have to play him today um and the last thing is that Ken Rosenthal on Saturday, who's, of course, probably the leading, uh, either him and Jeff Passan are the leading newsbreakers in the baseball world. And uh, Rosenthal reported on the air on Fox that the Braves are not going to do anything until they get official word on the matter, until the legal process is resolved. And he says they won't comment until then, and they will not act until then. Also, though, he did say that once the legal matter is resolved, Rosenthal expects that the Braves are going to act and release it. Now, he was not reporting that was going to definitely happen. But that was notable to me. Uh, noting, though, and I'll say, uh, this is where I'll throw it to you, Scott, just as a reminder to everybody, uh, the legal matter may not resolve all that quickly. If they're really going to wait till the end of the legal process to do anything, that could be the end of the season. It could be into the winter. It could be, I don't know how long, how long it's going to be, but it probably won't be tomorrow. So I said a lot there, Scott, just to give all the information, dump it out there. But uh, what was your reaction? Not as, as We all have the same reaction to him being arrested. It's obviously brutal, and DUI is a serious thing. Um, but between that and him playing today. And uh, he was booed, which is probably the appropriate course of action. But uh, where are we at with Ozuna? And then we can move on from there.
1: Yeah, I I think like so many Braves fans right now, I'm tired of talking and having to think about this clown. I mean, that that's what this guy is. He is an actual clown. He has the domestic violence arrest. He was incredibly selfish while driving drunk twice. The legal speed limit was going 75, 80, what was it, 90 miles an hour and a 30 or something crazy like that. Like, I'm tired of talking about this guy. He is a bad baseball player. He is a trash can of a human being. And I'm, I'm truly counting down the days, weeks, minutes, whatever the timeline may be, until he is no longer part of this team that we all care for so much. Uh, I mean, if if there was any doubt before the arrest for DUI on Friday, I think that was kind of the final nail in the coffin for so many folks. Um, I, I mean, I'm I'm just i frustrated. I and and really, his selfish actions now are reflecting on the entire organization. On Friday, guys like Austin Riley and Matt Olson had to field questions about Marcelo Zuna getting arrested. That that's being a terrible teammate. I cannot imagine his popularity and the clubhouse is very high, given his history. It's just it's been a disaster both on and off the field. Uh, it's really unfortunate that the organization has to wear this black eye with him being a employed member of the team for now anyway. Uh, and I, I just I can't wait until he's gone because it has been such a train wreck.
0: Yeah, like I said, we're not going to really enjoy talking about this topic. It is it is what it is. kind of have to do it just out of, uh, you know, covering the whole uh, sphere of the team. Um, he was in the dugout on Friday, you know, just hours after that. He was in uniform and active. Um, they don't really have the same mechanism to just put him on the restricted list like they did after the domestic violence incident, because there is no for whatever reason, and I think this is really stupid, there is no policy from MLB on DUI. There's no written anything. So like the Braves are kind of limited in what they can do. I will say that just to also say, they, sh- in my mind, they should just DFA him immediately. Um, We said that at the time. I said that on Twitter. And I think Sean might have said that as well on the, on the show. That's where I am on this. I think they should have DFA'd him. Um, but short of that, they don't really have any other... You know mechanisms to move on from him or place him on ice it's either like tell him to go home or not um i think having him around is not good and uh it led to a situation today where i saw some people defending snicker and i i, I guess i kind of get it and that there were some extended circumstances but i i think that it, it, it's a, it's at least partly on snicker to have started him today basically There was a perfect storm of sorts with Eddie Rosario being, I guess, limited. In fact, there was a weird pinch running situation on Saturday night where we were all kind of wondering, like, what in the heck? Why is he being run for here? It's because he's got an injury right now. Eddie does. He did. He did hit today. They didn't want him to play the field. And they also want to run into DH today um, because he kind of tweaked his knee a little bit on Saturday. So all that said, like, that's two guys. I get it. But they did not have to start Marcelo Zuna in the outfield. If he had been the last guy available, it would be a little bit easier to take, and I say a little bit because I still would not have appreciated that. I still think you should just cut him right now, but they have Guillermo Heredia available. They could have started him very easily today. They didn't do that. Uh, it's going to sound hilarious coming out of my mouth, but there is really a world in which Heredia might be better than Ozuna, because if you look at the way how bad Ozuna has been, he's been a below replacement level player for the last two seasons. And when you factor in having to play him in the outfield, uh, defensively, Heredia really might be better as crazy as that might sound and then you know beyond that like just the fact that you roll him out there two days basically after he was arrested for DUI and you start him and that's how I mean it was already making national news but I saw several people that I follow that cover the sport nationally that once they saw Zuna was playing today kind of ratcheted up their attendant their sort of attention level on this it's bad PR it's bad baseball all of it. And like for Snit to come out after the game and be like, well, he's a member of the team. Like, okay. Like he's a member of the team, but he doesn't have to be. <laughs> he just doesn't. Um, so th- yeah. that's not, that's not his decision. I- I'll say that Snit Snick can't just decide to cut him. Um, uh, and I guess his hands are tied. You, you don't, you don't want to play necessarily a player down for just however long, but this is all bad. And him starting today is, is bad in every way.
1: Yeah. I will say on Snitker's comments after the game, um, if you just look at the quote, the quote does not look great. But if you watch how Snitker says it, he he, it's kind of a uh, he's saying half of what he wants to say. Yeah,
0: the video is telling. I agree.
1: Yes, he's. And if, if folks listening haven't seen Snitker say it, I think the uh, Fox station in Atlanta was there for sure. And they have video of it. Uh, but I mean, yes, technically, Marcel is a member of the team. And as you alluded to. It was a bit of a perfect storm today. They wanted to give Ronald a breather, especially after the long game on Saturday night. You want to keep him fresh as he continues to progress from the knee injury. And if Rosario is unable to play the field, you know, then you're effectively down two of your regular outfielders. The good news is moving forward, short of more injury, and let's let's hope not, uh, it's going to be very difficult thankfully, for Marcel to play. You have four outfielders who are all significantly better. The Of course, Acuna and Harris are playing just about every night. You have Rosario. You have Robbie Grossman, who I think has been really impressive since he came over a couple of weeks ago. Yep, You have those in the outfield. You also have either uh, Bill Contreras or Travis Darno. Whoever isn't catching that night is a perfectly fine designated hitter candidate. Uh, and then at some point, we'll, we'll talk about him a little bit more. But at some point, Ozzy Albies is also going to return, whether at second base or even at DH, as they want to protect him and his uh, foot post-surgery a little bit more. So thankfully, I-, I was stunned when he was in the lineup today. I guess circumstances allowed for it. But moving forward I really don't see much of a path for him to play, and and quite obviously, both for the on and off the field reasons, uh, that that's a good thing for the Braves.
0: Yeah, and uh, I'll just say it like I, I think that you know, going my Rosenthal's report, he he was not flat out reporting anything in the way that he sometimes does as a newsbreaker, but him Rosenthal saying that on the record that he expects Ozuna to be released uh was notable i'm not sure it's like something you could just absolutely bank on but he's not saying that just out of nowhere i'm sure he has heard something like that um again though and unfortunately for those of us who are going to be tired of talking about this uh if they're really going to truly wait for the legal matter to actually fully resolve itself that might be a while and that might be that he's on the team until the end of the season uh we'll see but anyway he did go over or two strikeouts today which was uh on brand, I suppose. Um, just as a note about the baseball thing, I know it might sound again, crazy to say that her idea might be better. Um, but Ozuna as of, uh, yesterday, and I'm sure it got worse after today. Uh, what has been the fourth worst player in major league baseball that has qualified from a plate appearance standpoint since the start of a 2021 season, the fourth worst player in all of baseball, according to fan war. that is how bad he has been. So it's not like he's helping you on the field.
1: Uh, right and that's impressive considering he missed like 70% of last year he would comfortably lead in that metric yeah he ba- he
0: basically has he basically has one full season over the last season and two thirds uh he's basically played one full season it's about 155 156 games and uh yeah if he, if he had been this bad if he had been the exact same player but over a larger sample size he might be in the bottom two or three uh, i don't know but yep, he's been really bad and we'll leave it there for now. Unless you have more to say, Scott, but my, my thoughts are uh, yeah. just just cut this man already, please. Uh,
1: but Yeah, man, like uh, as we said off the top, this guy has been a cancer for the organization. He was really good on the field in 2020 and since then it has truly been one thing after another and hopefully in the near future Brad, you and I will get to do a podcast where he is <laughs> no longer part of the team. I know you and I will be happy I think most of our listeners, if not all of them, will be happy as well and we can move on.
0: Yeah, he's got two more years of pay. And if they have to pay that to have him go away, that's what they that should happen. And I guess to answer the one question people keep asking us, uh, no, I don't believe there is any mechanism for the Braves to void his contract. That's a popular question. I don't think that's going to happen. But listen, cut him anyway. Um, OK, moving on from there. Uh, I know you gave a lot of thoughts on this already and I will keep it short because this happened a few days ago now, but Michael Harris contract extension happened in the last week. Uh, You joined Sean on the emergency podcast. It is an eight year, $72 million guaranteed extension for Michael Harris club options beyond that um, with some buyouts. Uh, about 100 million or so, 102 million dollars over 10 years. If uh, if if the Braves pick up the options, uh, I know that Zips, uh, the projection system, basically had this as a very very good bargain for the Braves. That's kind of how I felt about it. In typical fashion for the Braves, they seem to have these awesome team friendly deals. This is not as crazy team friendly as the Albies deal but it is obviously another very good investment for the Braves. I have a hard time seeing this go badly for Atlanta. There is always some risk for a player that has played as little as Michael Harris has. And I know uh, our friend Steven noted today um, that that teams, I guess, finally started to figure out not to throw him fastballs, (laughs) which might uh, impact him moving forward for a little while. But regardless, because of the glove, and his speed and all that stuff in center field, like even if he just doesn't hit at all, even if he becomes Ender-Nciarte at the plate and just plays great defense, he's still worth this contract. So like the downside risk is uh, is pretty minimal and the upside risk is obviously sky high. So that's oh, my yeah. short version on, of, on mm-hmm. the extension, but there you go.
1: Yeah, I had a good time talking with Sean on the Daily Hammer emergency pod a couple of nights ago. Uh, yeah, Michael Harris is the kind of person and player that you are happy to pair and match your organization to for potentially a decade and we have seen despite him being the youngest player in the majors I think he still is or if he's not he's one of uh, he's been so impressive Uh, you alluded to the defense the speed the hit tool has been really impressive Uh, really the one thing that is left for Michael to figure out at this highest level is his plate discipline a little bit Uh, he is striking out a decent amount. It's not like he's Joey Gallo up there striking out in half of his plate appearances, Uh, but the strikeouts are up. The walks have been down. Uh, I think plate discipline is something that players, as they become more familiarized with the league and get to see big league pitching and the way that big leaguers uh, attack them at the highest level is something that's going to only get better with time. He may never be a player who walks in 15% of his plate appearances like Freddie Freeman does, Uh, But for all of the skills that Michael has, I think his baseline is a very solid center fielder. Uh, And then, of course, the sky is the limit. If he figures out how to get on base a little bit better, maybe cut down those strikeouts as he continues to physically mature, continue to hit for power, which is something that I think is well ahead of what a lot of folks who study the Braves farm system really expected from Harris. Uh, The sky is the limit. I have a hard time seeing this deal go sideways and – uh, again, he is just by all accounts a really good kid, uh, and and quite obviously for the Braves to lock in yet another core player is very exciting.
0: Yeah, I I consume lots and lots and lots of media from people that I think are smart, and essentially I did not see a single smart analytical viewer consumer of baseball that thought this is a bad deal for the Braves. Every there are varying degrees of heist this that this could be. For Atlanta but uh, I mean absolutely no one was like not a great deal for the Braves <laughs> like everyone was like, okay for the team side awesome deal and obviously he gets security uh, long-term life-changing money for Michael Harris so that's part of the agreement as well and by the way I meant to say this to Sean I, I don't think I ever did uh, I would just say this if you're a listener to the podcast we had Michael Harris on road to Atlanta on this feed in 2021 Michael Harris did like a like an 18-minute interview with Eric on this podcast exclusively. that people want to probably it's actually probably a pretty interesting listen now a year plus later. But Michael Harris is a former guest of this podcast. Just Eric. Yeah,
1: that's that's pretty cool man. Eric and the prospect team do an awesome job building relationships with these kids. They get interviews with the recent draftees uh, as they progress to the higher levels. Uh you know, I'm sure it is such a joy especially those who follow the, the minor league system so closely watch a player like Michael Harris. Or Von Grissom, who had a terrific week, make their way up from the lowest levels, and now they're they're balling out in the major leagues at age 21. Uh yeah, that that's awesome. I, I did not remember that, but um yeah, good for Michael. I know uh somebody, one of the media folks, uh had a, a great story that um even after he signed the hundred million dollar deal on Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever, whenever it was. Uh, Friday Night Fireworks, he was out on the field with his family just as he had done for weeks before. I know Anthopolis kind of joked and jested with uh, with Michael during his press conference that, hey, you got paid, but don't change a thing. Keep being you, stay humble, stay level. Uh, he seems like a really good kid. And uh, again, it's just the kind of players that you want to associate with the Atlanta Braves.
0: Yep, yeah, big fan of Michael Harris, and uh, that, that, that deal looks awesome on Atlanta's side um elsewhere in the news mike soroka made his first two rehab starts this week i know eric actually went to his first one in rome on tuesday he looked great in that outing by all accounts um talked to the media there were some quotes that uh, eric got that he the share on batterypower.com. that was his first professional start in two plus years he apparently did not pitch as well today obviously i did not see that i don't think i don't think scott did either he pitched in gwinnett today though that's a pretty big jump from rome to gwinnett um did throw 58 pitches Didn't uh, again, did like did not dominate by any means, but apparently felt good coming out of it physically, which is kind of all that matters. I mean, we've talked about this a lot recently, uh, not in the last week uh, between the two of us, but we were kind of pessimistic that he'd actually pitch this year. The fact that he got to Gwinnett by August 21st, I mean, it seems conceivable he pitches this year. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but uh, he's obviously closer than we thought he was going to be by now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I am cautiously optimistic with this timeline I think you are too Brad I was a little surprised to see Mike make the jump all the way to Gwinnett now maybe part of that was the fact that the Braves were home and of course Gwinnett is very close to Atlanta uh so is, it, you- is it is it Scott as a veteran Atlanta consumer uh how, how, I'm just kidding Scott <laughs> It is exactly I don't know how many miles. Uh, my uh, out of towner is showing. I,
0: I like to uh, make fun of Scott every once in a while for not for not being from the area, cause, especially because I especially because I grew up in Gwinnett County, so it's like one of those uh, it's one of those funny topics we can throw out there, like yeah. ruin like like knowing exactly I literally know exactly where Marcelo Zuna was arrested, like to the to the to the second, I know exactly where that is, and you have no idea, which is it's, it's just kind of funny to
1: me. No clue. I once yeah. walked around downtown Atlanta for a couple of hours and checked out. <laughs> uh, I don't even know where we were. Like the CNN said or something because we had a few hours to kill perfect um but uh what were we talking about mike soroka. Um, <laughs> soroka sorry yeah with uh soroka man like just the health for me is the most important thing uh you know he he did not have a great day against AAA hitters on sunday although again it's his second professional start in more than two calendar years since the achilles injury uh, he's going to be in the mix i i think i was Quite honestly, I I was not expecting Mike to ever make it to Atlanta this year just with the timeline and progressions that he was going to need to make. But uh, he looked really good against the high A hitters in Rome. Granted, those are, I mean, that's like the lowest level of the minor leagues now. So, um, you know, it was good to see him dominate that level of talent. And then hopefully in another five days when he makes his next rehab start, whether it's with Gwinnett or elsewhere, uh, it's just – Hope everything keeps feeling good. Uh, the velocity was there, which is really encouraging. And uh, Mike even said after his start on Tuesday that the sinker might be the best that it has ever been. Uh, if that's the case and it it's that effective against big leaguers, we know how how good Mike was early on in his career at the at the highest levels. That That was very encouraging to hear as well.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're all rooting for Mike. That's not any breaking new ground here, but he's uh, he seems to be the the player maybe of all the entire organization that has like the highest approval rating. Everyone, everyone is rooting for Mike Soroka to get back to the majors and succeed and be healthy. And uh, yeah, nothing else to add that other than other than Eric is still alive. I I did talk to Eric Tuesday. I thought Eric might have levitated on the heels of Tuesday's start in Rome, but he's uh, he's still with us. So that's good to hear from Reverend Eric. Um, okay, last bit of news uh, was kind of. Snuck in there um, from my old favorite, John Heyman. John and I go way back. We love each other. Um, But he reported in the New York Post, I believe it was, that the Braves have, quote, open extension talks with Dansby Swanson, which is a little bit weird in that Swanson is currently in his walk year. Um, I would be a little surprised if he actually signed a deal, but certainly not a bad thing for the Braves to be talking to Swanson about a contract. Um, He has not been quite as good at the plate in the last, I don't know, six weeks or so. But even with that, coming into today, he was still top 10 in the National League among all players in both Fangraph's war and baseball reference war. Uh, A lot of that's defense, but he's also been really good at the plate all year long. Like Even with his downturn, it's not been a Swanson-like downturn. Like When he's kind of cooled off, it's been like, A little bit like a little bit below league average, not like a 10 WRC plus for a month, like he's capable of. Uh, At least he has been capable of that. So, like, I think it's still undervalued. Like, I I actually quote tweeted something this weekend from the Valley from the Bally account that was basically like noting. That Swanson is still ahead of, of Austin Riley in Fangrass War. And I think if you pulled Braves fans, they would have no idea that's the case. But uh Swanson has been awesome this year, like flat out. So uh did you did you have a response for the for the extension talks? Like, are you optimistic or is it just one of those things yeah. that got reported and might go away? Yeah.
1: You know, no uh no disrespect to your best friend John Heyman. My God but, John. but and in like let's be let's be fair, John Heyman breaks huge news. Like he. Does. he he is a very legit this was not some guy with like you know 300 followers who guessed right on a free agent contract one time and now people think he has some some insider source no um for a couple of reasons i i don't know how much i buy it uh, for one as we know the front office really does not leak uh, i think every single one of the contract extensions other than michael harris's by maybe an hour uh, robert murray was the first one to break that and even then Uh, Usually the Braves are announcing team deals. um, So I would imagine that was something that maybe came from the agency of Dansby. Um, And at this point, I I don't know why the timing would make any kind of sense. Um, If you're Dansby, you're having a great year. You are two and a half months away from being a free agent. So then 30 teams get to bid on you, including the Braves. Um, and, and if you're the Braves, as we have talked about quite a bit, the the shortstop class is loaded in free agency this winter. Dansby, Trey Turner, Carlos Correa, Xander Bogarts—like there, there is some high, high end talent here. And if you're in you may want to be able to at least go to the dance and see what's available. Um, I guess it's not impossible. It would be very on brand for this podcast for us to talk about it tonight, and then you know, tomorrow morning, tomorrow something get announced Yeah, without fail. <laughs> um But I was suspicious of the report for a couple of reasons. I, I don't think it's impossible, but it was not something I'm like, wow, this is getting done any minute now.
0: Yeah, that's kind of where I am as well. I would not absolutely blow me away if he signed, um, given this and given just how extension friendly the Braves have been. I do think that um, Danesby would really, really, really want to have to stay. Like uh, so, uh, it, it, that'd be the only reason why he would want to stay like in terms of like signing now, because even if he was brutal, let's just say for the next six weeks, I don't think his market value would just completely tank. I think he'd still be in line for a very, very, very large payday. And as you said, opening it up to the actual, you know, market of everyone would probably be in his best interest. Um, unless the Braves were to, you know, blow them away, which I don't, I don't think the Braves are going to be paying, you know, a deal that's going to stun us in terms of how big it is no. right now. Um, maybe if he for free agency, they'll do that. But like in terms of like doing it in August or September, uh, it's just a weird time. You don't often see these these extensions get done now, like occasionally you'll get one in october like super quietly like one of the charlie morton deal happened it was pretty it was pretty pretty weird yeah, timing in was, some ways i think but, both this uh
1: the the morton deal and the travis star deal both got done at like the end of august last year
0: yeah but I'll, I'll, again those are the exception to the rule although they, they did happen so that's that's actually probably a good, a good data point but those are both far different negotiations than this one dansby is Whether you believe he's a star or not, Dansby Swanson is going to be treated like a star in free agency. This is his big, this is his one big cash-in deal, probably. Charlie Morton signed a very short uh, high-dollar extension because he is 39 years old. Travis Darnot uh, is, while he's quite good, was not going to be commanding a nine-figure deal on the market when he signed. Uh, that's the thing about Swanson here is that, I, I mean, by all accounts, it seems like he's going to be commanding a nine-figure contract. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. So
0: that th- those that kind of deal getting done in August or September would be uh, strange. I, I, if it happens, it happens. That's great. It's not my money, and he's really good. So sign me up. But uh, I think I would certainly bet on this not happening if I had to bet my own money. But uh, I'm happy to be wrong. That'd be fine.
1: <laughs> all right, Brad, I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh-oh. Every dollar to your name. Is Dansby Swanson the Braves' shortstop in 2023?
0: And oh god, I knew you were going. I knew you were going to do that. As soon as you said,
1: put you on spot. Um, no pressure, but the whole world is listening.
0: Oh man, uh,
1: because I'm like 50 50. Yeah, I I was going to say it's kind of it's kind of a cop out, but yeah, like I could see it. They want to keep the band together. He's been, you know, he's from the area. He's been a very productive shortstop. Uh, but he's also someone who I probably wouldn't overpay for, and you know, if you're telling me he's going to beat what Javier Baez got last year, which was like six years and 140 million, he he's not not to sway your answer. I mean, he, Dansby is not a player I would overpay for, uh, but he would certainly be somebody who I'd be interested in keeping around if the price is right. Though that is, of course, a very hedged answer to my own question.
0: Yeah, I think that there are. We'll probably do more on this later on, so we don't go super super long. We're probably already are probably already, already going to, but I think that there is the incumbency advantage of the Braves, uh, him being from here, etc. There is, um, I guess, maybe a few percentage points higher that they're already talking. Um, also, there is the reality that the Braves are selling out Truist Park every night right now and uh, seem to be in the mu- in, in the mood to spend. And uh, Anthopolis seems to have carte blanche, or at least not maybe not full carte blanche, but they uh, have invested more than people might have thought because they again are rocking and rolling down there at the at, at the battery every night. That probably helps, but the counter would be that he's 28 and may not be a huge bargain. Um, you know, last year he was worth 27 million dollars, in, a, in, a, in a, according to Fangraphs War. This year, he's already been worth $42 million, according to Fangraph's war. So, uh, you know, I think that uh, I will say at this moment, August 21st, 51 days. Uh, But it's not like I have a lot of confidence in that. Um, and by the way, we'll, we'll move on. But there is this whole notion that Vaughn Grissom is going to be the reason they move on from Swanson. Uh, I, I love Vaughn Grissom already. But by all accounts, no one is sold he's going to be a shortstop long term. So I, I I kind of doubt that that's the only reason why they're going to move on if they move on. Just for just for the record, yeah, he'll be a, he might be a factor, but he's not going to be like the factor. Like oh, we can't we we can't sign dance, but we have von Grissom. That isn't going to be the thinking from what I understand.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And then uh, to put a bow on it, the von Grissom factor. Uh never once in the history of baseball or in professional sports has there been too much talent on a single team. That's the has it become a problem. Right. Exactly. There there's there's no such thing as, ah oh, man, we have too many good shortstops on our roster, or oh man, we have too many good hitters. How are we going to fit them into the lineup tonight? That has never happened. Uh oh, by, oh, way by the, the way, other.
0: to bring up to bring it bring bring that your point full circle. Um, if we uh hope that Ozuna is not on the roster anymore. Uh, you also have a DH spot to rotate guys through, so like there's a there's more flexibility than ever to quote unquote have too many good players, which you can't have. I agree with you wholeheartedly. But even if you thought that, now you might have a DH spot as well.
1: So yeah, it is uh, a uh, it is a very good non problem for the Braves to have moving forward.
0: One hundred percent. All right. This is going to be uh, one of the later breaks in our history of the podcast. But uh, after this, we're going to go through the games this week, look ahead a little bit and talk about the actual on-field results. So stay tuned. Be right back.
1: It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer.
0: All right, Scott, let us fly through the results from the week, because uh, as we've said before, the Daily Hammer with Sean Coleman goes through these results uh, in a lot more depth on a daily basis. So check that out for sure. But uh, obviously, they they win the Met series. We talked about a it little, a little bit earlier. They blow them out. On Monday, 13-1, to 1, with every single player in the lineup having at least one hit. Uh, Tuesday, they shut them out for their eighth consecutive win. Charlie Morton dominates with 12 strikeouts. Matt Olsen hit this home run I have to ask you about. Matt Olson hit this home run to the top of the chop house at Truist Park on Tuesday night. It was clocked at 443 feet, Scott. And I'm here to tell you, I'm not a st- I am not a stat cast um, detractor usually. I do not believe that measurement.
1: <laughs>
0: I do yeah, not believe that. that. I, I've been there too many times to realize that there's, there's no way that's that's the only – there's no way. I would say like 480 or something stupid. Yeah, that, was that
1: ball was crushed. Like that – other than like – I think Jock Peterson hit a ball up there last year. Um, maybe Freddie at one point over the last four or five years. But, yeah, that, that ball was smoked. Matt Olsen had a really good week. Um, he, he He's funny. Like there's this notion that he – I mean, not that he's been a disappointment, but maybe hasn't been like this ungodly all-star level superstar. And I mean, he he hasn't quite been that this year, but he's going to finish the year with like 35 home runs and 120 RBI and like a very solid three to three and a half war when it's all said and done. I mean, he, he's he been really good. And if, you know, he, he had that weird swoon like for the month of May, but um he he had a really nice couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, Matt Olson. We could go down this rabbit hole a lot, I'm sure. But he, he's gonna be he's he's gonna be worth his uh, worth his weight uh, this year, and I think there'll probably be more to, more to come. He's been totally fine. I agree with you. He's not been like completely ridiculously great, but uh, he's done his job quite well. Uh, we won't. We should note this. Uh, I think you noted know this for me on on the doc we use. Uh, Monday they had this thirteen to one blowout, right? And it was raining a little bit during the game. And they couldn't take anybody off the field because they didn't have a backup infielder on the roster. <laughs> it was one of the situations where like they were kind of a man or two down. And it was a situation where they literally didn't have anybody to they couldn't pull Olsen, Swanson or Riley off the field like they probably should have. Yeah. Uh, so they called up they, they called up Ryan Goins on, uh, on Tuesday as some insurance because they had, they, had they, still, they still had three catchers because uh, as we anointed last week with Eric, Chadwick Trump had a great game last week, but they were still carrying them probably for one extra day too long. And it happened to be the day where they blew the team out and had, and had rain. And it was like, they really, really, really needed to take those guys off the field. and They couldn't do it,
1: which is, which yeah. is funny. Yeah. Fun times. No, hopefully, um, you know, we should mention quickly, we just went through the news, but Ozzie Albies is progressing. He is. Uh, he's actually going to travel with the team this week so he can continue doing on-field workouts. There was a video of him uh, working out doing infield drills and working with Ron Washington. So quite clearly, the Braves at some point are going to get a stud second baseman back uh, to add into the mix of, of their, you know, roster in September. And then even in the postseason. Um, so yeah, it was just kind of a bizarre scenario that Mets had pulled all of their like in regular infielders. I think Alonzo and, uh, uh, Oh my God. Francisco Lindor both came off the field. And I'm like, why is Austin Riley still playing in a 13 to one game when the field is soaking wet? And it's like, Oh yeah, they, <laughs> they literally no don't have they <laughs> literally do not have an infielder on the roster. Alas, it, you know, it, it, nothing happened, but it was a, a funny moment.
0: It was um, the, the only, the only bad game of that series against the Mets was on Wednesday. Um, it's time to have a, a very, very on brand conversation for this podcast Uh, You could just insert a different name. Um, But it seems like, Scott, I'm going to have to play the role of Jake Odorizzi Stan in the way that I typically would for a veteran pitcher.
1: Yeah, you can escape Will Smith, but the Will Smith Stan and very fair and objective side of Bradley Rowland will not leave you.
0: No, I and listen, it was Drew Smiley before that. Um, I I seem to always be the person, and it's really more of a – I just tend to believe in larger samples and I, I I don't get as emotional as some people do about stuff, which I understand. Um, I will say this. Odorizzi has not been good as a member of the Atlanta Braves. Uh, I'm not saying otherwise. I want to be very, 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 very clear about that. He has not pitched very well in a Braves uniform at the same time. (laughs) He uh, is not, I don't think is suddenly completely terrible and washed. Maybe he is. There's always possible with a pitcher. You could just be done. Um, but even including the Braves run this year, he has a 4.15 ERA and a 4.01 X ERA and a 4.3 FIP for the season. Is that good? No. Is that like totally, totally fine fourth fifth starter? Yes. Last six seasons, four point four point one four ERA. That's what he is. As we said when they when they traded for him, he is a perfectly fine fourth or fifth starter. Like, and I get it, it's the same thing we talked about with Drew Smiley at the time. It was the same thing with Will Smith at times as well. Different different kind of setup. But I, I had to find it a little bit funny that people want Jake Odorizzi DFA'd after three starts. And it's like, guys, number one, they're not going to do that. And number two, like, yes, he's not been good, but you have to look beyond, like, five feet in front of your face. Like, this is not a guy who has just, like, come out of nowhere. He's been an established major league starter for eight years. <laughs> he, I don't know. It's just one of those funny things that I just, I can never, I cannot stop myself from being from, I guess, defending Jacob Reese. Yeah. So here we are.
1: No, I got you. And you're right. I mean, so far he has pitched in two of his three starts have been very, very high profile. Yes, both yes. games against the Mets, one in New York during that awful series. And then one in Atlanta this week in that very good series. So you hope that as he is not facing one of the better lineups around, with their 164 infield singles, or whatever number the Mets are up to now. Um, Right, like there's a reason the Astros gave Jake Odorizzi up for three months of Will Smith. Uh, He is not as bad as he has been. I'm in agreement. Um, I'm very curious to see how he fares on Monday night against a very, very bad Pittsburgh Pirates lineup yes if is goes out there on Monday night and can't get through the fourth inning and the Pirates have scored six runs then it's probably fair to go okay maybe we move him to the bullpen maybe yeah. we fake injured list something and you try Kyle Muller well or... and, they,
0: and they also have Ian I mean that's the thing also that's the only other thing about this is that I should mention is like you know they brought him in as the sixth starter like that was the whole they brought him in for depth it wasn't like they were bringing him in to change the rotation like Ian Anderson is in their mind, I'm sure supposed to come back in the rotation this year. They're hoping Ian Anderson oh, is yeah. just gets fixed and is yeah. the guy again. Like that's another part of this is that makes it so funny to me is like people want to fire Jake Odorizzi into the sun. It's like, well, number one, he also has a player option for next year. So if you know, you can't just, I mean, I guess you could just cut him, but they're not going to do that. Like they might stick him in the bullpen to your, to what you just said, but like Odorizzi is going to be in your life for a while, I think. And, and if, if he's not, it's because he pitched so well he's gonna opt out. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah, sure. it's it's just a weird situation because and I get it, this is part of the thing about too many good players that you talked about earlier. It's a little bit different, but the the thought of actually having more than five starters breaks people's brains sometimes as well. It's like they don't they don't have to start Jaco D'Ezzi. And I totally agree with you, by the way. If he does not pitch well on Monday, and I don't want to overstate it, but it certainly they could move away from him if they want to. They don't have to use him again until Sunday. After that, that spot wouldn't be wouldn't be up till then. And if that spot is Kyle Muller, Ian Anderson on Sunday, no one should be surprised if Odorizzi's bad on Monday. That I will say, and that's something I just defended him, and I'm still saying, look, it should not surprise you if he's not pitching on next Sunday if he's bad on Monday. I, I will I will certainly agree with you on that. Yeah,
1: for sure. And it, you know, he's. I think the Braves lost both of his starts that he's made against the Mets, and he was going heads up against Max Scherzer. Yeah,
0: what, wow. what are you going to do? Like, come on.
1: Right. I mean, going into the series, that's why after they won on both Monday and Tuesday night, it was so big because you knew that going into Wednesday, you were going to see Max Scherzer, who is very, very good. Uh, and then, of course, you're going to see Jacob deGrom, who you know, pound for pound probably the best pitcher on planet earth, at least when if he is he's healthy. healthy. Yeah. 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 And and funny enough, even after the, the rain and, and everything on Wednesday, the Braves almost came back to win. Uh, but again, you take three out of four against the Mets to keep you in contention in the East. Uh, that's about as much as you could really ask for. Yeah. Um,
0: I'm going to wait to do the uh, extremely regular uh, bullpen mention uh, until Sunday's breakdown, but on on Wednesday, Snicker slash Walt Weiss did go to Jackson Stevens in a one-run game for reasons. Um, especially as the Mets had already gone to had already gone to Edwin, Edwin Diaz. So uh I don't know. Very, very funny. Um, also of noted in that game, Freddie Tarnock debuted in mop-up duty after Stevens got rocked. Uh a very high upside arm. I saw Garov, uh, friend of the podcast. Um talk about how he, he thinks he has, I think he thinks Tarnock has like number one or two, number two starter upside. Now upside is different than projection, which is also key, but uh, by all accounts, our minor league guys uh, like Tarnock's arm a lot. So that's uh, notable that he came up in that spot.
1: He He's somebody who, if if a lot of things go right, he could be uh, you know very prominently featured in the organization. But as we know, man, once, once these kids get to even double A now, let alone triple A, uh, you're in the mix and you're going to be called upon and who knows when it will be for Tarnock or anybody else. But uh, yeah, it was cool for him to make his debut kind of an odd circumstance and situation uh, given the optics of everything going on, but uh, it's always cool to see guys uh, sign their contracts and make their debuts.
0: Yep, for sure. Um, Thursday, they capped the series with a three two victory to win the series behind Max Freed, who pitched quite well in his return start. Um, I think the number one highlight of that night was Vaughn Grissom scoring from first on a single to break the tie and eventually win the game shouts to the Ron Washington wave your arms gif Cause Ron was never stopping Vaughn Grissom again. Let me say this one more time scored from first on a single <laughs> to win the game essentially in the seventh inning. So uh, shouts to wash and shouts to Vaughn Grissom for uh, booking it around, around the bases.
1: Yeah. The, uh, We talked about this, I think with Sean and maybe even a couple of weeks ago, but the athleticism, especially at the bottom of the order right now with Grissom and Harris is so much fun. It feels like every single night, one of those guys, if not both of them are doing something that just so few baseball players can do because they are top tier athletes. Um, There was a little bit of uh, questioning because Grissom got a running start from first on that single that, that went up the middle, but he was recorded at, by StatCast as one of the fastest first-to-home times ever. Um, I, I don't know if there was ever any resolution because he did, of course, get a couple of steps of of yeah. leeway because of the 3-2 count. But nonetheless, man, I mean, he can absolutely fly. He's kind of like a gazelle out there. He has super long legs, very, very athletic, had a great slide as well. Um, but, you know, again, with, with Freed and DeGrom on the mound – uh, we knew it was going to be runs were at a premium, and sure enough, they were. And to win a game effectively on a, a soft crown ball that went through the middle of the infield and somebody scores from first base, one, it was kind of nice to do it against the Mets and their 164 infield singles. And uh, <laughs> and then, of course, to, to win that game on Thursday was really big. You don't want to overstate one that was played on August 17th or whatever the day was, but By winning, you cut the deficit to three and a half in the division. If you lose that game, then it's up to five and a half. That's not insurmountable by any means, but three and a half looks so much better than five and a half.
0: Yeah, that was a big win for sure. And to win that series and kind of uh, take a little bit back after you got walloped up in new york was uh was i'm sure good for morale as well to win that one after winning the first two games like to not give them both back uh was very very nice and uh, beating degrom even if you didn't really like beat him head to head necessarily you still won the game and that was uh helpful okay from there the houston series over the weekend which they of course also won um friday was a 6-2 victory um and the Astros, of course, are really good, as you talked about earlier. Um, the big swings of the game were an Austin Riley three run home run and a Davey Swanson two run double. Uh, Riley kind of quietly has scuffled a bit by his standards. He's not been bad, but he's been like league average or a little bit below that in August after his like in. You know, incomprehensible July. Like he was always going to take a step back from that, but um, you know, kind of quietly he had not been playing all that well. He, I think he only had a second home, yeah, second home run in 20 games. And I think he went like over nine over the weekend, but that was a big swing. And that was a big uh, moment in that game. And also Dansby who kind of have had, has had that same thing we talked about earlier. He's not been quite himself, uh, at least from the first half in the last few weeks, but he had, he had a big hit as well. So the, the two of them have not done a ton recently, but they timed that well to kind of carry a win on Friday behind Kyle Wright as well.
1: Yeah, I think it just speaks to the depth and talent the Braves have. Really, one through nine right now seems like one night it's the top of the order getting things done, uh, especially recently. The bottom half of the order has been getting stuff done, um, and then you have some really good talented veterans in the middle of the order too. So, uh, for Riley to get that home run, he he showed a little bit of emotion too, which is something that he is he's pretty stoic out there. He was yeah. clearly. I think fired up quite obviously truest was packed, but for him to kind of get the, you know, the monkey off his back a little bit. Um, And then you talk about Dansby. He has not been quite as good as he was early on, but he's been going to right center field quite a bit recently. Uh, Historically that has meant that Dansby is coming out of his funk a little bit. He is so, so good uh, with his swing going to right center uh, See, so yeah, it was it was a big hit, especially after the Mets series as well. You didn't want to have a letdown after an emotional four games against the division rival, and and you come out and you you know take the first game against an Astros team that is really talented. Yeah, that
0: was a good win, and uh, Kyle Wright being back and looking like himself after having the dead arm is uh, is positive. Um, Saturday, I was actually there, uh, a rare visit for me down to Truest, and I actually got to meet for the first time. Our friend and colleague, Stephen Tolbert. That was nice. A meeting of the minds, uh, legendary uh, figure, Stephen is. That was actually a lot of fun to get, catch up with Stephen. But uh, an, an awesome game um, on Saturday, a 5 4 win in 11 innings. Strider pitched great. He had one little hiccup and got out of that. Nice strikeout, six innings. He was awesome. Uh, Vaughn Grissom had another home run. He looks fantastic. Um, and it was a back and forth game it was a very memorable one. I kind of talked about this earlier, but getting the split between Saturday and Sunday is probably OK when you figure like they could have very easily lost Saturday night. Like there was a lot of back and forth. That was an awesome game on on Fox national broadcast TV game against the, uh, you know, awesome, awesome. Mercury team World Series rematch, all that fun stuff. And, uh, you know, I guess the, the crazy moment was the Matt Olsen check swing double in the 11th uh, that was memorable let's just say uh i guess it's a skill game after all scott you can't just uh can't yeah. that well
1: and how funny a guy who can hit a baseball 475 feet or whatever his max uh distance is then also can truly check swing like that is the most check swing double ever yes uh yeah it was uh it was a great game uh, again, we, we saw just the depth of the Astros. Them being in the World Series last year, we of course know uh, one through twenty six the talent they have. I'm sure if you're an Astros fan, uh, to have leads both in the tenth and eleventh innings and in Manfred Ball had to be very frustrating. Oh yeah. Um, but a, a, again, a big win for Atlanta. Um, you know, it, as we talk about, even after a Sunday afternoon loss, which seems to be the theme for this team. Uh, for them to at that point go six and one against the Mets and the Astros is just so impressive. I, I think it just speaks to how talented the Braves are and how well they're playing too. Even if, even if Sunday was not what we were hoping for.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that that was a fun win Sunday. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but a five to four loss. Olson homers. Morton pitched very well. Eleven strikeouts, uh, two runs. He has twenty three strikeouts <laughs> over twelve and two thirds innings this week that's a lot of strikeouts for the old man uh go ahead charlie do what you do uh he did have one terrible walk to yuri U- girl in the third that uh allowed the astros to tie it that was a big big swing so it wasn't like he was perfect but morton's uh, kind of had it going recently which is nice
1: yeah you know charlie's had an interesting year right he had a good start then he was starting to struggle a little bit um, but ever since really the last two calendar months, Charlie has been fantastic, um, kind of weirdly, and it's probably one of just those baseball things. The Braves run support when Charlie Morton has been on the mound this year has generally been really bad. Uh, he had a stretch a couple of weeks ago that finally got snapped, but I think when Morton was on the mound, the team went like 20 innings without scoring a run, which, is almost impossible, just knowing how good this lineup is. Or maybe they had scored like two runs over those innings. I don't remember the exact stat. It was a little while ago. But um, you talk about the strikeout stuff. We know that in postseason play, every single time you can rack up a strikeout, it just helps things so much when you don't risk putting the ball in play and seeing what happens. Uh, Charlie looks really good for being 38 and a half years old, as you noted. The old man still has it, and it's unfortunate the bats couldn't get more going.
0: Yeah. Last note here on Morton. Uh, Last 11 starts for Charlie going back to mid June. You talked about the two month sample. Uh, He has gone at least five innings in all 11. He has a 2.61 ERA in that sample size and uh, opponents have a 578 OPS against him. So they are basically not hitting him right now. All the peripherals are awesome. He has 87 strikeouts, 69 innings over that sample size, which is an awesome number for him. Like by all accounts, he has been ace-like for two months. Now it's it's only two months, but uh, he has been like the Morton from last year and the year before that in the last two months. So that's good to see from Charlie as the uh, postseason approaches for the Braves. Um, This is the moment now where we have to do our uh, our regular bullpen feature, Scott, because Snit, uh, this is the one thing that we probably ran it on most over the life of this podcast is that Snit brought in Dylan Lee uh, in a tie game in the eighth against the Astros. And uh yes, he was based two lefties, but uh, why do you have Iglesias on the roster? Why do you have Colin McHugh on the roster if you're going to Dylan Lee in that spot? I don't really know. And this is not an anti-Dylan Lee podcast. We, we do like Dylan Lee on the show, but he has been quite bad in the month of August. So it wasn't like Dylan Lee was the same guy he was in the first half when he was just like dominating, by the way. But uh this is not even revisionist. Like it was just a kind of a weird move and they weren't losing. Like famously, Snicker... Likes to kind of punt games when they're when they're losing. This is a tie game in the eighth against the Astros, and they went to Dylan Lee in the eighth inning, and I, that yeah. that baffled me to be honest. I didn't I didn't I didn't understand that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was frustrating. He is Dylan Lee is probably now the fourth or fifth arm in the pecking order down there in the bullpen. So to use him against three legitimate star level players, um, even if Jordan Alvarez and Kyle Tucker are left handed, I think I would prefer just the better arm in that situation. Um, I mean, they, they, they traded for Iglesias, who's making
0: full-on high-end closer money. Like, he's got a pitch there, doesn't he? <laughs> like, yeah. They,
1: What's he there for? The usage of Iglesias has been a little interesting. Um, maybe not, like, shocking, but he, he hasn't been used quite as much now. It might also be more deliberate, just an attempt to keep him. And really, all of the guys fresh for October, we know that a good bullpen that's throwing well can single-handedly carry your pitching staff. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a little odd. And then, you know, Jackson Stevens, he's fine is like a long man out there. I wish he wasn't pitching high leverage innings. Um, I guess in defense of Dylan Lee, uh, you know, neither Alvarez nor Tucker. It wasn't like they hit the ball 500 feet off of him. Yeah. Alvarez, who is a freak athlete or freak hitter and, and just a, big old dude uh he you know it was like an inside out single to center field that harris couldn't quite get to and then tucker hit the ball decently hard though it was on the ground and it just found a hole um so again it was it was a frustrating loss especially the way that uh, naturally the Braves scored a couple of runs in the bottom of the ninth (laughs) as they always seem
0: to in those they literally
1: without fail it always happens um but again it's you take two out of three from Houston, you go five and two over the week as a whole. Um, sure. You'd like to be greedy and go six, and one or even seven and no But um, you know it's, as we've said a few times, Houston is really good and they have a lot of talent.
0: Yeah. I, I don't think that Dylan Lee is bad. I, I saw like, I kind of made fun of it. I, you know, brace fans seem to turn on Dylan Lee officially today. Uh, I don't necessarily think Dylan Lee is bad. I think that he was pitching in a situation where he probably shouldn't have been pitching in that spot. That doesn't mean that he shouldn't be used. Like he's, proven to be a pretty good reliever um but when you have s- the investments that the braves have in this bullpen and you know sticker will always 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 pivot to the long season and the information that they have that we don't and i get that there's there is situations case okay, people don't know this about the way we feel about this stuff there are always spots where the manager knows more than we do and i will always say that um it just was a weird one like you know with we, we, we kind of laid it out in full, there, but you have other options. You, I know they're they refuse to use Kenley and like the way that modern closers are sometimes used in a solid of response. So I'm crossing Kenley off, but you have Iglesias or McHugh or whoever else you want to use anyway. Um, yeah, that was the loss, and we'll, we'll end it there in terms of the actual game stuff. But again, a five and two week is pretty impressive, so we will uh, move on from there. All right, we've gone long, so I'm going to fast forward a little bit to the standings. Uh, unfortunately for Graves fans. The Phillies did them no, no favors on Sunday, blowing two separate leads to the Mets. It was four nothing and a seven four in favor of the Phillies, and they lost to the Mets ten to nine. So the deficit is back to four games. It was briefly down to three, and then the Braves lost Sunday, and the Mets won. So now it's four. Um, the Braves do fortunately lead the wild card field by seven and a half games, and that's just by the way from number one and number two. The, the lead is actually bigger than that to actually make the playoffs. So uh, all of the systems still have the Braves at like 99.7% to make the playoffs. But um, division-wise, still a good week to get, get it back to four. But it was three on Saturday, so four isn't quite as nice as it would have been.
1: And the Phillies were <laughs> – the Phillies had Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler both pitching in a four-game series against the Mets. The Mets did not have Scherzer or DeGrom in that – same four game series and somehow the phillies went one One and three three. yep that's like come on fellas like throw us a bone here right like let's team braves no nobody likes the mets come on (laughs) um but uh yeah it's four games there's just about six weeks to go um looking ahead a little bit to the schedule uh the mets have a very easy month of september however they have a couple of games with the Yankees and then a three game series with the Los Angeles Dodgers who have not lost a game in like three months at this point. So, you know, the Mets schedule over the next two weeks is decently difficult. You hope the Braves can keep trimming down that division lead Um, at the very least. It would be nice to get to, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe the final series of the year is the Mets coming to truest um if if that's the case you would certainly like to keep the division open whether the braves are ahead or behind um because then you you know you the old uh cliche of you control your own destiny and whatnot um as we have talked about for a couple of weeks now the way the playoffs are going to shake out winning the division winning the east this year is huge one you get the first round by and two the way the, the bracket is going to shape out is the top seeded Dodgers, who are going to clinch that top seed here in two weeks at this point. Uh, they are going to have to face the best wild card team. So they're either going to place the four seed or the five seed. And as you just noted, either the Braves or the Mets are very, very likely for that top seed. So that means in the NLDS, you have to see the Dodgers if the Braves don't win the division. But if they do win the division, then they would have not only home field advantage, but they're likely to see some mix of the Phillies or maybe the Padres who are in a mess right now. You know, maybe the the Brewers figure things out, the Cardinals. Like one of those teams – are likely going to be the opponent of whoever wins the National League East. and I don't need to tell you for any longer that quite obviously that is far more likely to go well than having to uh, travel across country and play los Angeles
0: yeah we we did this whole bit last week with Eric and I, but it's worth remembering this as well. like just as an example, five thirty eight currently projects the Braves with a fourteen percent chance to win the division. That's not very likely, but it's possible but They have the Braves for 99 wins this year, and have them losing the division by five because the Mets are projected for 104 wins. 99 wins would be the Braves' most wins since 2003. Scott, if they were to actually find follow the projection, that's not even the best case scenario. That's that's the average median projection for 538. 99 wins that'd be their most wins since 2003, and I was in high school, and I'm not a young man, so.
1: No, um you you're right and I think it's been overlooked a little bit just how good this team has played. Yes. where they're going to end up just because the Mets are admittedly a good team too. Like we're not we're not arrogant here and going oh the Mets suck. No, the Mets have a legitimately good roster. They do. Um they they just, you know, they they built out that 10 game lead and it's difficult to cut down a 10 game lead in 4 months and as we've seen the Braves have gotten close there's still a month and a half left to go. And and hopefully, as you noted, if if they do end up winning 100 games, which would just be awesome, let's hope it's at least one game more than the Mets win.
0: Yeah, there is a real chance that the Braves could have the third most victories in all of Major League Baseball and not win the division this year.
1: That's the only possible. So, you know, I just lamented the fact about if they're the wildcard team, the path they're going to have to go. But can you imagine, Bradley, if – the Braves won a hundred games and then had to play the one-game elimination wild oh, card game.
0: Lord of Mercy, yeah, yeah against like an that. eighty,
1: like a team that wins eighty-eight games. That would be yeah.
0: shades of shades of the first ever wild card game when they were when they had a, a six-game lead and of course lost the one game uh, in in infield fly fashion. So, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to listen to that experience ever again.
1: So, <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks. So again, thankfully, with the new format, there's both pros and cons. But as we have alluded to. Win the division, it cleans up a lot of things. And at the end of the day, man, who knows? I mean, nobody this time last year was picking the Braves to win the World Series. No. They were heavy underdogs. Even against Milwaukee, they were underdogs. They were underdogs against the Dodgers. They were underdogs against the Astros. Um, weird things happen in October. Teams get hot. Teams who are great for six months suddenly s- struggle. Uh, but uh, if you can win the division for many reasons, let's uh, let's get there.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I concur. Uh, and you mentioned this week they have three against the Pirates. The Pirates are not good. Uh, that's a road series, so nothing is assured. But still, that's a very, very winnable spot. Then Thursday off, then St. Louis over the weekend, three games. And by the way, it is a Sunday night baseball affair on the August 28th. So it'll be a late night podcast that evening. Uh, but that's one to circle. Anytime you have a national standalone spot on a Sunday night, that's uh, always a high-profile decision. And the Cardinals are in the playoff. That's a, that's a good That's a good team. And you're playing on the road and uh, Sunday could be the least favorable matchup for the Braves that weekend. If you look ahead, they've not announced this, but uh, if you just kind of follow the way they've been going, it'd be Strider on Friday, Morton on Saturday, and then Odorizzi or something else on Sunday, if they were to follow the order they've been following. So that's probably the least attractive spot, but uh, we'll of course react to that as we always do on the feed. Uh, I think we're feeling pretty good about the Braves. Obviously division stuff is difficult to uh, project at this point. because The bets are rolling, but when you're, when you're covering a 99 win projection baseball team, uh, life could be worse. Like they're, they're, they're playing very well. They had a great week this week and uh Ozuna stuff aside. It's still uh, pretty, pretty good vibes around the team.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Don't, I know it's easy to scoreboard watch. I'm doing it. Most of us are doing it, but yeah, don't lose sight of the fact this team is really good. Regardless of what happens at the end of the regular season, as we know, well, uh, seasons are ultimately evaluated by what happens in October this team is very good and very well positioned for a playoff series as things stand and you know again as we we've, we've noted for i don't know years now at this point uh, this is what makes being a baseball fan fun the rebuilding years were absolutely no fun really stunk losing 90 plus games every year for a handful of years and this team is firing it's a it's a young team it seems like every night even if they're not winning they're very competitive games which i think is a great sign Uh, And yeah, I mean, for them to go, what, 14-2 and over their last 16 games, I think it is now, is very impressive. And uh, thankfully now St. Louis is playing good ball. But other than that, the schedule lightens up quite a bit over the next few weeks. And just keep on winning games and see what happens.
0: Yeah, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, Colorado at home, Miami at home, at Oakland. That's the next five series. And the Carls are pretty good, but the Rockies are not, the Marlins are not, and the A's are not, and the Pirates are not. So there is an opportunity to keep to keep it rolling uh, as they've been playing so well in recent days. Uh, Scott, thank you for joining me on the podcast. As always, that'll be it, it for us. I will say this to you now on the air. You probably don't know this. I actually wrote for BatteryPower.com Power, Battery yesterday. I wrote a newser yesterday. I,
1: came out I saw that. How
0: about that? That's right.
1: Dusted off the old typewriter. I
0: I really did. It was like, I was uh, having a DM Chris. I'm like, Hey man, how do we do this now? Have you changed this? Have you, have you changed things since I started since I stopped writing about baseball? Uh, I was kind of of kidding, but I also kind of wasn't. So that was, that was a fun time, but uh, Scott, anything to plug on this uh, Sunday evening in August?
1: Yeah, no, thanks to everybody for tuning in. Always good to do one of these with you, Brad. Hope everybody out there is doing well, enjoying your summer and uh, yeah, let's hope for another good week.
0: Absolutely uh, follow Scott on the Twitter machine at Scott colon, 55 for all of the takes about Arizona football. As they ramp up, we're almost there. Bear down Scott. Uh, as for everybody else, please, <laughs> please follow the show as well. Uh, I, was gonna,
1: season I almost out. got that watch out without out.
0: laughing. Yeah. I, I tried my best not to laugh. I, I
1: couldn't do watch it. out. Uh, uh Bama and Georgia and I don't know who else is going to be good this year. Oklahoma. Watch out, guys. We're coming.
0: All the teams. Uh, but yeah, please, please, please subscribe to the podcast. Like I said before, we have been really busy. I think we're still averaging about a show per day of the week in August. I think we're like close to 2022 20, shows and it's August 21st. So it's been very busy. Please subscribe to the show have five star ratings and reviews. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all those fun places. See you all next time.